this week, guys, we're, we're kicking off the show because, right, with everyone's feeling good. It, there's a good news story today. Um, I'm lucky enough. Today, we're going to change the name of the show. It's going to be The Coaches um, and AK, because obviously the offensive coordinator, is this going to be the first time you're being introduced as the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee State University Tigers, Hugh Jackson? Oh, absolutely. And Coach Cam, who's works with the has worked with the Texans, Cameron Campbell. Happy to have you guys. Thank you so much uh, for jumping in. I'm going to jump right in and say this. Everyone, I'm sure, was watching uh, the verdict today on the Derek Chauvin trial. Um, how does it make you feel? How do I feel? Is that what That's, you said? Yeah. Yes, sir. I, justice was served. Um, it's. Uh, I'm very glad uh, for all people. Uh, that they can see that you cannot uh, get away uh, with injustice. And um, to me, this was a, a huge moment in our history because um, there's been so many of these situations that have gone unpunished. And to see um, people in the streets, to see people really uh, having that anxiety of not knowing what could happen and really finally having the right thing happen tells you that there's a chance that maybe we can get some things right in the future. Yeah, you know, what I would add to that is um, uh, I feel like this is the first time. So, so I feel like, you know, the Floyd um, murder started our generation's civil rights era. Like this is this formally kicked off the beginning of our civil rights era, like our generation. So for me, the elation comes from understanding that this conversation is happening at every dinner table, every bar every restaurant like everybody's talking about this and there's two there's two conversations happening one that is some relief of justice being served and then one of i still don't get it what am i missing right so that conversation i know for a fact is still happening tonight and that you know everybody needs to be having you know again conversation thoughtful you know disagreements or whatever but everybody's having that conversation tonight so let's let's start there because that's the harder conversation because i've gotten you know, I said this last week, I've had people who at the beginning of this last year said, what, what's wrong? I, I don't understand. Why are they protesting? You know, did what he did, was it that, you know, was it terrible? And then seeing the trial, seeing evidence, seeing exactly kind of, you know, the full picture, because they're hesitant to kind of say that person's guilty of doing something wrong, have both reached back out to me and said, oh, I see. Now I understand that was wrong. But as of today, I've had some people, cause you know, I reach out and tell people, you know, send me your stuff. I'll never say who you are, but I wanna ask these questions, right? Said, well, why are people dancing in the streets? I don't understand. This, this really ruined more tons of lives, but really two people's lives have been lost, right? George Floyd's obviously uh, his, his, his life is gone. Derek Chauvin's life is done. Not to mention all their families and stuff. They said, why are they celebrating? And I said, well, that's what you don't get. Right, that's that's the part that you don't get. The celebration isn't for a man's death or for another man going to, to jail. It's about justice where there's been wrongdoings. I tried to explain as best I can, so I want to hear from you guys. Right, there was there's been a bunch of injustices happening throughout the years, and people have not had to pay the consequences for those things. And that's where you see the the jubilation. It's not for a person's death or a person going to jail. It's for the right thing being done, and hopefully the next officer that goes to do something has that, hey, I should do the right thing, right? Coach and I say this, and this is coach's line, I steal this all the time. Certain things have been normal. It doesn't make them right. And it's time that now maybe people start thinking about what's right versus what's normal. 
So I'm going to put that to you guys. When someone says to you, well, why are they celebrating in the streets? What comes to your mind, Cam, or, or coach, whoever wants to jump in first? Yes, I'll jump in and make it quick. So for, for sure, it is, uh, it is oppressed people finally feeling like they're being heard, right? And so I feel like it gets easy to like live in the microwave. It's the same celebration that South Africa faced in the early 90s. It's the same you know, celebration that women, you know, celebrated after suffrage, right? So it's feeling, so being oppressed and then finally being heard, being heard causes you to, to use that voice, right? And it's also the first time, you know, in a long time, or at least in my generation, where um, it is, you know, tears of joy after tears of, of pain. And so, so for me, that's kind of um, what, what I hear. Well, I think Cam just nailed it. And I think it's the statement you made, Anthony. I think people are so used to what has been normal. You know, normal has been these people have made it through. They, they've gotten away with this, you know. Uh, even when it's been, you know, seen at its, at its toughest times. And now finally, you know, justice was served. And I think, like he said earlier, I think Cam said it earlier, people still, how did this happen, you know? Why did this happen like this? Why didn't this happen 20 years ago, you know, or 15 years ago? You know, why aren't we celebrating, you know, really talking about Breonna Taylor's, Taylor's murder and all the other injustices that have gone on. Um, so I think there are some real conversations being had tonight and they'll be had through the rest of this week. But at the same time, there's some, there's a victory here. But I think we, we need to uh, make sure that we see, understand and, and build upon it. Yeah, and you know, we, we've talked about this before and hopefully it's not just, you know, a conversation tonight and a conversation this week, right? Hopefully mm -hmm. that conversation and we're gonna do our part to try and keep that conversation happening every week because listen, it's not gonna change because of one, you know, sentencing because of one guilty verdict. It's it's a good, listen, it's a good step, but we know there's a lot, a lot more work to do um, because hey, just as the trial was happening, we had another incident happen not 10 miles away. And even this trial, right at the end, you know, I believe um, the one of the prosecutors said, you know, this didn't happen because of, I really like this line. I, I, you know, I understand the judge says it was inappropriate, but he's like, it didn't happen because of Floyd's enlarged heart. It happened because of Chauvin's small heart. And then you saw the objection and the, you know, asking for a mistrial. And then when the verdict came back so quick, Right, you had half of the people going, oh, that's a good thing. And the other half going, oh my God, he just got off. And there was, even with all that evidence, when it was clear to, like I said, almost everyone, there was still a, what, ugh, maybe, you know, they were boarding up their, they were boarding up their stores, right? They're like, what if? There was still that uncertainty when I think everyone, anyone who watched it was kind of like saying, okay, he's guilty. Did you feel that there was a, now I know coach, you said, no, he's guilty, he's done. Uh, Cam, did you have, any part of you go, oh, maybe he's going to get off? Um, you know, I'd say, uh, if I'm honest, there was a fear of that, right? So the fear is like that one, you know, uh, juror who could who could make sense of it, who could condone it, who didn't want to be the landmark, right? Because again, I mean, these jurors are going to go down in history as well. So that was my fear of someone not having the courage to do the right thing. Um, but, you know, for me, it was... Uh, I have to be optimistic, if not on behalf of George Floyd, right? Like it, it would be counterintuitive. He, this would have been in vain if I weren't expecting change to happen. I'm gonna say something to you guys and it's, look, it's controversial, but it was it sent to me about 
45 minutes before we jumped on this call. And I'm only going to ask it because I, I, I didn't know how to answer it. So the comment that was sent to me was, hey, this is one of many that need to be convicted, which I, I agree with. And then they went on to say, I'm paraphrasing, obviously a very long email. And it said, well, what if they started convicting? Look, it's not just, you know, young black men that are being killed by police. There are, you know, you look at the cases, there's white people, there's, there's Asians, there's Hispanics. Why not make this a bigger movement now and say, hey, let's start making sure we prosecute all of, like, I get it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just telling you this is what was said. Let's start prosecuting all of these officers who've done the wrong thing because we can't have bad apples in this profession, right? We talked about this last week as well. This is one of those professions where you got to weed out. Look, there's good and bad in everyone, but you got to weed out the bad. How, like, I get, I didn't know how to respond to that. Maybe there was no response, but do you think this, you know, take care of these first? Because obviously there's some, you know, we need to deal with some issues here, but is it a bigger, hey, let's make sure all the wrongdoing is, is taken care of as well, because maybe that sends a bigger message? I think it's hard to go back. Um, and, you know, you should, you feel like you want to, but I think it's hard to go back. I think the ones that are uh, the open cases right now that we've been seeing and dealing with, I think those are the ones that need to be dealt with um, because I think it's going to send the right message if they're handled the right way. I go back to the last question you just asked, Cam. I know for me, I knew as I told you, Anthony, he would, he would definitely be um, convicted. But I, my reasoning was way different than because he did injustice. I just thought if he didn't, what was going to happen in our country was going to be an issue. There was a bigger side to this too. We could be burning down tonight if it went the other way, you know. And I think. That the is our country. Yeah. Oh, I, me, I, that's I, the entire country. I hate to that's say it, it's probably guaranteed, right? Yeah. And so my point is there was also another side of that. And that's what I was feeling last week when we talked about it. There's no question that what the officer did was totally wrong. But just what we're saying, I'm so used to those guys getting off. But the other side of it for me was there's no way because there would be some people in, in there would be violence going on right now. I mean, they wouldn't be able to stop it. And so that was the other side of it. And when the president comes out before even the conviction and says what he says, and others come out and say that, it kind of lets you know where it was heading, in my opinion. You know, so just just interesting that way. But no, I don't think you want to go back. I don't think you, you, you can't. No, I'm not, yeah, I'm not suggesting, no, I'm not saying go back. I mean, moving forward, I'm like, we should make a, a case for everything. Like, let's not let, anything hide in the shadows we need to bring all of these Absolutely. out you know what i mean and make it yeah sir go ahead Ken. so 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 here's my thought on that i am absolutely for that so it's almost like uh, my grandma used to have these uh y'all remember wood panels that go on the walls <laughs> you, put, you put the wood glue every 18 <laughs> inches in. <laughs> up there so you better make sure it's straight too you yeah, better not move hold it still <laughs> <laughs> so so I feel like the same way <laughs> that in the Houston humidity, like the panel would fall from the top down, right? So it's like if if George Floyd is justice and you pull some of it down, and if we're gonna be uh, equally demanding of justice across all, that's only half of the wood panel. So now let's pull the rest of it back. Let's talk about gender wealth inequality. Let's talk about prison pipeline. Let, let's even it all out, right? And so it'd be, 
mature of me to say, let's even those numbers out and and bring back black people up to where those numbers are supposed to be, especially when you talk about the wealth gap. But if I'm petty, let's bring some of these other races down so you can see what the struggle looks like. So when you see a police, when you see a black kid respond a certain way or decline to get a job at McDonald's so he can sell drugs because that's all he knows and that's easier. And you talk about what kids are pre-exposed to, right? So it's like if I'm if I say the right thing, it's like, yes, let's let's bring that. Uh, I think it's for every for every family that, that has uh, every black family in Houston on average has a hundred dollar net worth versus whites have a sixteen thousand dollar net worth in Texas, I'm sorry. Like like that's a, that's an actual stat. So it's like the right thing to say is let's start with that sixteen thousand. But truth be told, maybe you need to come down to that hundred so you can see what what you know what these poor choices come from. The poor choices come from just an oppression of, and the lack of ability to see down the line enough to make a wise decision. Every decision is shotgun, right? And so that's what I'd say. If, you, if, if we're going to pull the wool panel down, let's pull that thing all the way down. Um, I, I, per, perfectly said. I, I just, I, I, like I said, I, when I got it, I didn't, you know, I get stuff sometimes. And I think most times I'm pretty good at, at responding back. Other times I'm just like, I, I don't know. And, and I'm okay to say, I don't know. And that's why I love coming on here and asking you guys. Um, so the next thing is, so obviously this happened because of many reasons, but one of the things that I wanted to ask you both, coach, now you're going back, you're going back to school. Cam, mm -hmm. I know, I know that you work with a lot of young people. Um, what conversations are you having? Like, or do, do, do you go out of your way to have a conversation and say, Hey, listen, you know what the world looks like today. We're trying to change it, but this is what it looks like today. When you get pulled over, if you get arrested, heck, if you've done something wrong, like what advice, how do you, like, how do you feel right? Driving down the street in, in, in Houston cam, right? How in soon to be you driving down the street in, in Nashville coach, like, and then what do you tell those, those young men that you're working with? I think those are real conversations now and they have been. I, I have not been in college football in a long time, but I know uh, who my audience is. You know, I think that's the most important piece of this. And we're trying to raise young men, you know, to become men. Um, in the National Football League, they're supposed to be men. You're still raising them there too. So uh, there's no question. I'm going to spend more time on that side of it, of the real life choices and decisions and consequences that happen. Uh, I think every day that's going to be part of my uh, integration into whether I'm talking about offense, quarterback play, whatever, uh, because I think men got to understand um, you can make one bad decision in your whole career, your whole life can be done. Uh, and I think it's uh, important for people who have been there and been through it to get back. And it's going to be my way of giving back on top of the football piece of it. Yeah, for me, and especially, you know, the space you're about to go into, Coach, and, and you, you look at, you know, again, just from from the age and maturation rate of where you were to kind of where they typically leave, where I see them leave out of high school. Um, you know, what I would say is similar to a light turning red in traffic and you not stopping immediately, you don't necessarily stop when you see the red light, right? You typically got a little time to get up to the traffic. Mm -hmm. it's the same thing so don't go after buck wild so so this is a win for us so tomorrow don't be in the police officer's face screaming at the police like we're not there it's, yeah. it's gonna take so you should never get there one but we're it, it's, it's gonna be a minute before we can feel like that actual calibration from the red light so so don't don't take this and go the other way yeah listen we still you know look 
I, I understand. I've never, like the worst I've had is border police, you know, cuffing me and thinking I was an illegal from Mexico trying to come into the US. Um, I don't understand what it's like to drive down the street and worry. But at the same time, look, the police have to give the citizens respect and we should respect them for what they're doing, right? But it needs to be mutual. It can't be one way in either direction. Um, so, so coach, I said this last week, right? This when, when, when you told me that you took the job, I said, that's the thing that excited me the most. Cause I know what kind of man you are. And I know you're gonna be a good influence on those young men. So I think that's important. Um, in that school, do you know, I, I was, again, I love, I love people who send me stuff. Cause I, I love, I love learning. I'm a sponge. Um, do you know who the most famous, at least in my opinion, the most famous alumni is at Tennessee state? I do not. Cam, pop quiz. Do you know who the most famous Tennessee State University alum is? I, I, I know a guy who played there. That's as most famous as I got. He, I don't think he was that important. <laughs> well, let me tell you this. At one time in her life, she owned Chicago. Mm. Oprah Winfrey. No way. That's what was serious. I was looked, Tennessee State. It was sent to me. I looked it up. It said she graduated at some point, somewhere, somehow from Tennessee State. And I did not. I, you know me. I didn't believe it. I looked it up. I was like, wow. Um, you know what that means. So we got to set that coffee day so we can get that. We, we need to have it. I, 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 I'm, expecting, I'm expecting an alumni guest and a car for you, a car for you. Everybody gets a car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was... Yeah, it was it's so, time to add on to that football win, coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Roll the players out on the table. <laughs> I had I had posted our I had posted our exclusive, you know, hey, uh, I'm announcing that I'm taking the job at OC at Tennessee State. And first comment on the YouTube video was, you know, who the most famous alumni is? And I said, nope. And they said, Oprah Winfrey, look it up. So I was wow. quite uh, amazed by that, to be honest. And um, so speaking. Of, of Tennessee State now, obviously we wanted to talk about the importance of HBCUs in, in America. So I know Cam, that's something that was important to you. So I'm gonna let you kind of kick it off and let me know kind of what your thoughts are. And then coach, as you're moving into that, kind of, you know, what your thoughts are as well. Yeah, so coach, I, I had this interesting conversation. I'm kind of like one of those, you know, kind of thought, I sit in the thought for a minute and share it around. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I, I understand messaging i understand marketing um i understand i played at the university of houston i understand what 20 what hiring a strong chancellor and a 20-year marketing effort can do it can change the prestige and the perception of the university um so i'm having this conversation with my guys i think i ended up sharing it with anthony and it's the question was uh are we as a people ready to establish our version of an ivy league for hbcus Right. So when you think of the kind of the pantheon, there's Morehouse, Spellman, um, you know, Clark, that kind of tier. Then mm -hmm. there's Xavier's there. Then there's kind of your, you know, solid average. Then right. there's some that need more support. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, all the not only is the history of the Ivy League very oppressive to us, the history of the Ivy League ultimately is strong academics, but a consistent SEC like athletic, consistent marketing within this group. And it's like, man, how amazing would it be? I have a daughter. Um, she was born on Juneteenth, actually, um, last year. And it's like, how amazing would it be 
for the same way that I, I, you know, I manifest her being able to go to Stanford, right? Mm-hmm. For the for it to be, you know, ten, you know, Tennessee State, for it to be Xavier, for it to be Southern, right? But, but as far as just that prestige, and you know, I know for me, I, I, I'm a doer. You know what I mean? And so if I, I say no to a lot of stuff, but the stuff I say yes to, I'm all in. And you know, I, I think. Uh, bowl bowl last year you know what I'm saying turning all those major schools down so it's like this is the moment and so when you see guys make the investment you talked about the interview you didn't have to jump back in the game you know what I mean like the game's been good to you and so it's like yes these are those inches in the cog that begins to reestablish what the HBCU really means mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again I when I for me Watching the effect of Deion Sanders at Jackson State, um, the atmosphere that it created for the school, for the city, um, gave me an idea of what it could be. And then I had started to see, because of what's happening in the Power Five schools, with the students wanting to be paid, you look in the portal, there's 1,400 freaking players in this portal because they want to play and they want to. They really need to play if they want to be seen as football players. And I said to myself, with all these players having a chance to go where they want to go, if you're in an HBC, HBCU school, um, one, it's it's truly what I believe in. It's where some of the greatest players ever played a game have come from. It's just they don't have the resources. They don't have the name notoriety like they used to. Boy, what would happen if some of these – coaches start to coach in there where we just seen what's happening at Jackson State well here comes Eddie George at Tennessee State I'm gonna be there assisting Jeff Fisher's there Brandon Fisher's there it is starting to turn so we can create just what was in the power five system it back into the HBCUs and get the Oprah Winfrey's and and the other great alumnus of Tennessee State and all these HBCU schools come back and be involved. I, I'd like to know when the last time she's ever been to a TS, uh, into a Tennessee State University game. She probably hasn't because she probably doesn't see it that way. She'd probably rather go to USC or Stanford or one of those particular games. We need to bring our people back and have them understand the history and tradition of what those schools were and what they still should be today. And, and that's just it. So it, it's when you have the conversation with that kid and it's like, you know, Texas, uh, okay, USC, you know, right, Tennessee, no, yeah, this is a viable option. This is it. Like, keep this on the list, mm-hmm. right? And so you, so I think about, like, my experience. I didn't, so I, I was born in a small town in North Louisiana, about 15 minutes from Grambling. I was very, you know, grew up in Houston, very exposed to Grambling, Texas Southern, Prairie View. Um, I didn't get, I got zero letters from any HBCUs. So I wasn't the kid who didn't, who was not aware of it. I was a kid who just never, you know, wasn't in consideration and so you know yeah let, let's let's get that three star that four star that five star like a, a four a, a three or a four star this season changes yeah. changes changes the wavelength changes the complete wavelength absolutely and so it, and it just takes it just takes that one it takes that one kid yes and it's happening it's happening at a higher rate you know they say i don't i really didn't follow it last year but i know they said jackson state really did a great job of recruiting um, I know we're going to go recruit now. And so why not go find the best? You know, we don't need to say we're at Tennessee State. Well, that's where we are, but we're not going to run from that, you know. 
we're going to go get the best players that fit what we want our program to look like. And I think that's because I think you have that opportunity now because more so than ever, if you're looking at portal, players want to play. They may need to be in a place where they can play and showcase their talent and ability while becoming the best young men they can become. And I think that's the biggest selling point that you have. Well, I'm also, listen, this is for, from a football side of things. If I can go be coached by an NFL, you know, professional, like a head coach, offense coordinator, you know, we've talked about offensive uh, coach of the year. If my, if my game plan is to get to the NFL, who's going to make me more NFL ready? Then Eddie George, who is a you know all-time player in the NFL, Hugh Jackson, who's an all-time coach in the NFL. Like those are the you know Deion Sanders. If you're going you know that route, those are the guys that could show me how to not only become you know Deion is, is a good example of a guy that look he came out and he was look he was maybe one of the most talented players I've ever seen, but at the same time he went through his ups and downs and his flashy you know too much stuff, but then mm-hmm. came back you know he figured it out. Who else to better tell me how to? hey, this is the way, you know, this is the right way to act and this is the wrong way to act than someone who's done both. So um, from that, you, you brought up recruiting. I don't know how much, I don't want to, obviously can't talk too much about it. Have you have you dived into like, we talked about last week and we weren't really, you know, not a lot of information about what rules now with COVID and that, what do you know? Do you know anything new on what you're allowed to do, not allowed to do? Right. I know right now I'm not allowed to do anything. It's a dead <laughs> well, I, mean, <laughs> no. I will not get you in trouble, I promise. Yeah. I will not break the violations. That's what I'm allowed not, to do. I'm allowed to sit there. Pass the test before you can do anything. So all of that. I think and I have I, another year of eligibility. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> I, my phone has been blowing up. My emails have been blowing up of players who to have the opportunity to play. So it tells me that we're going to have that effect. You know, we just got to go make sure that we get the right ones for our program. Um, Cam, you wanted, there was, um, we wanted to talk about a, um, a mentoring kind of program. I don't know if that's something, is that something you want to bring up and let's maybe hash out a couple of it, the details now. Is what? it, I know you had an idea. Yeah. No. yeah. Yeah, no, it's very raw. And I think it's an idea, it's a conversation worth having. So, um, you know, I've got friends in different, you know, prof- primarily football, but different pro sports spaces, clubs. Uh, you know, there's a ton of obviously companies and organizations that work around pro sports that, ne- that aren't necessarily clubs. And so, you know, I built this solid network of peers and contemporaries. And, you know, like anything, I think, and for all of us who have been in any kind of career, like you watch your peers elevate with you just along their professional journey and you know there there's a handful of them that selfishly you care about them because they're your guys and you you just see the lack of opportunity and the stagnation in their career not because of performance but because of lack of opportunity lack of relationships and networks and so um you know I, I spoke to each of them and I said hey if I could somehow I don't know what the framework is we want to make it as non-burdensome as possible, but I love to find uh, people who have been there but, and also understand reaching that hand back. And so I reached out to a few folks in my network and um, the first person we got on or got to commit, and it's not a, a formal thing, right? So it's not about, you know, some type of heavy burden, but just guys, you know, catching up once a month on the Zoom and just sharing information, sharing games, sharing experiences and, and picking up knowledge, right? Um, 
So we got uh, Alonzo Highsmith to, um, um, to, to, you know, c contribute and sit. And then um, we also have one or two other folks here in Houston um, that, that are, you know, just really into planting that seed and providing and giving back. And, you know, coach, I just, you know, I definitely appreciate your willingness to be a part of that. And, you know, what it looks like, what it takes form, again, we're talking about high performance, busy people, right? So it's not about being burdensome, but just connecting across the country, across verticals, across spaces, um, and just being a resource. And it's, it's, you know, kind of just selfishly, it's my contribution to the guys I care about. I think that's awesome. I think uh, there needs to be that in this space to help people receive the opportunity and to get the knowledge. First, get the knowledge and then receive the opportunity that they deserve. Right. That's the only way it's going to happen. There's so many of us that say, well, I know of so-and-so, so-and-so, but I don't know. It. You know, and I get we're talking about the Zoom, but I rather have that relationship and know that I can put a name with a face. So when somebody does ask me, I can say, this is what I know, you know, because when I say, well, I don't know, I immediately have eliminated that person. That person's really done, you know? And so I think the, the mentorship program is needed. I know Alonzo Carter, as I mentioned to you before, Anthony K, he, he did something with the coaches. Um, they had the, the West Coast, uh, you know, Zoom. They did it all summer. I mean, it went on for quite a while because there was no football. And they used to get 600 to 700 people on that Zoom at a time. It was amazing. And um, so much information, so many people spoke. So I think that's uh, really important, especially for our mi minority voters. Um, we're going to move to the draft. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, Cam. Um, there's, we're just talking draft with the Texans. Right. There's obviously some, in, you know, some, there's some, in, we're not sure who's going to be, I'm not sure who's going to be the starting quarterback. We're not, Deshaun Watson still might get traded. We don't, we don't really know. Do you think they're looking quarterback in the draft just as a backup, like a plan B? Yeah, I, I don't think so. So they, they addressed the backup quarterback earlier in the off season and Nick Casario has done a very good job. I mean, just acquiring picks in a, you know, matter of week extended weeks right so um i don't see them necessarily going quarterback um I, you know i think they, they brought in tyrod taylor and so you know definitely you know serviceable i mean he's a starting quarterback right so i mean i think that's about as good as you know having the intuition to pick up andy dalton last year for the cowboys and so you know i don't know that you address it first i think that there are some other opportunities to get better um and and you know i wouldn't i wouldn't call quarterback a high priority Okay, so you, you think they're 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 happy with you know if anything happens and Deshaun's not the starter, Ty, we're we're happy with Tyrod. I think he's better than like twenty. <laughs> he, so remember <laughs> we talked about like so yeah. So coach, you can validate this for me, right? So I had this theory I brought to Anthony. He'd never heard it before, and when I brought the case studies, he was like, "I kind of see it, right." So so my thing on quarterbacks is super simple. I know you're a quarterback guy. I don't trust goofy quarterbacks. Now, it's not that you got to be Rico Suave. It's not, you know, so it's not even about pocket command. Right. But like when, you know, like there are some guys who have made it to the Super Bowl in the past couple of years. And it's like, I don't know that I trust that guy with the with the spoon with an egg in it. You know what I mean? And so <laughs> I just, <laughs> I don't trust goofy quarterbacks. I think that's, a, if, if you look at some of the guys who probably shouldn't be starting, they kind of fit that 
you know, there is no, as a lineman, I got to look at you and know that, you know, you're about to make a play. It gets very hard to trust a guy who is like, yeah, you know, this, this ain't going nowhere. Goofy quarterbacks. You, you made yeah. the same face I made, coach. I was like, what? Oh, okay. It, make, <laughs> it makes sense. No, it, <laughs> there's some of them out there. You wouldn't hand them. It, it's, they're not going to win for you. They just, they won't. Matter of fact, they'll lose for you. Um, can't, can't my, a goofy quarterback. My set. So, okay. So that, I thought you would say that, but I just, I'm double checking. Do you, you agree with that coach? You think they've got a bunch of other holes to fill that they've, they're kind of, you think they're, they're happy now with that situation? About, okay. I, um, you know, they do have a lot of holes. I mean, you, you've let uh, one of the cornerstone players go on defense. Um, you've let some others go. Um, I think they're transitioning into a new staff. I think they know where they are. Um, obviously, this thing with Deshaun Watson is one of the keys to the future. Um, so they have Tyrod Taylor, who is a proven NFL starter in the National Football League. Do you maybe, because when you look, you probably can't go up and get one of those good quarterbacks because you have to kind of take what the draft gives you, right, wherever they're picking at. So I think you got to go find the best player to fill the need for their football team. I agree with him. I mean, you, you're not probably going to get one of those top four guys. So if I'm not getting them, I need to play with Tyrod and take the next best player I can find and put on our football team to find that next cornerstone that's going to be on offense, whether it's a receiver, a lineman, on defense, whether it's a defensive lineman, a corner, whatever that is. So at least I got now that squared away. And then I got to think about what the draft might look like into the future uh, for some other things that we need. Um, I know you worked over the summer with uh, with Mund, and I've heard him anywhere from the third round, the second round, late in the first round. Um, I know you're hot. I know you like him. Um, oh, do, yeah. you, do you think he can? Do you think he because of the need? So many teams need quarterback. Do you think he slides in late late first round, or do you think he's kind of a second round, and someone's going to be very happy to get him in the second round? I think it's possible, but I think it's going to be more of the second round. And somebody's going to be very, very happy they got him. I mean, he's very, very talented. Um, he's very even kill, which I love. Um, he's very cerebral. Uh, he's very talented, can make any throw. He's played a lot of big-time football at Texas A&M, won some big games, played a big-time conference. I don't know why people don't talk about him more uh, because his athleticism is like some of the other guys that are in the first round. You know, so it's just interesting to me. And uh, he has the... He's a, you know, he's a prime to me. He's a, he's a very cerebral guy, but he also has that alpha in him too. Now you got to pull it out. He's one of those guys. So it's like, even with all these guys, it's kind of who's coaching them because you got to get it out of them. Some guys need, you know, that cerebral coach. Some guys need that alpha coach. Some guys need prime coach. He's the guy that needs a prime coach because he has all of that. And so you got to be able to bring the goodness out of him. And that's going to be the difference for him. Based on what I saw, right, when you were working with him down at House of Athletes and then our conversation, I've dropped his name in other conversations, right? I go on other shows and people ask me and I go, and I mention the name and people kind of give me this, oh, kind of weird look. And then they look him up and they come back and go, oh, he's pretty good. I said, yeah, he's pretty good. I like, I don't think coach is going to lead me down the wrong path here. Uh, Cam, I don't know. Uh, have you, I don't know, if, whether it's Mund or anybody else, is there someone you're kind of watching in the draft that might... You know, people would be happy to pick up. Yeah. 
So it would be it would be Mon. So I mean, oh. I think it's <clears throat> kind of going back to the HBCU thing a moment ago. It becomes perception, right? So you know, A and M is a second tier SEC program, and so you get unless you go for like some crazy Florida run like they had a year or two ago, you kind of get that ancillary attention, and it's like, yeah, dude is. You know, I mean, so you think about like John Morant, like you knew if you watched basketball, you knew John Morant was going to be that dude, you know, and it's like, and I think the other thing they both have in common, um, I say Alvin Kamara, in my opinion, have this, has this uh, John Morant and Mon, you can tell they really enjoy playing the game. Like they just love to play. Like you just, you just feel it, right? It's like, yeah, that dude just enjoys playing the game. And so, yeah, I, he, he's one of those guys that, you know, like a deck, if you're going to be very pleased when he gets probably, you know, when, you know, just whenever you get your hands on him, it's like, yeah, this is a steal. I know coaches answer unless it's changed. So I'm going to start with you, Cam. So far, what you've seen in free agency, is there a team that sticks out as, yeah, this, you know, I, hey, listen, it's all only on paper. I get it. We still got to play the games, but a team that, hey, this team has won free agency. Um, it's a tough question. I mean, I guess the, the, the Cardinals, I guess. Um, I mean, this is no question the Cardinals are all in, right? And yeah. so I give them that for shooting a shot, but I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that one team stands out to me. I think, and now coach, has your opinion changed? Because coach and I both agreed Cardinals. So, <laughs> so, so it's, we're, we're three for three. Well, I, yeah. I, have change on the card. Oh, I think the team. Yeah, I think the team that's really taking it to another level is the Browns. You get Jadavian Clowney, and if you get mm. along with I can't Miles, disagree with that. And then you get the safety that just came from the Rams and the corner from the Rams. Ah, uh, they have a chance now if they can. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. Paper, they're as talented as any team in the National Football League. Yeah, it's, it's, I was, oddly enough, I was reading uh, just this afternoon about uh, there's a linebacker that kind of might fall to them who, I forget his name, unfortunately, but who's a run-stopping linebacker. And they're like, oh, if they get that, they're set, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty much, and actually, oddly enough, the, this mock draft that I went through today had them picking this linebacker uh, in the first round because they need a run-stopping linebacker. And then mm-hmm. Mund, funny how this came all right back around, and Mund in the second round, they're like, as an insurance policy, right? Because if Baker has a bad year, Hey, you got a very talented quarterback. Hey, if Baker has a great year, you have another talented quarterback, so you don't have to pay him all that much because you have a viable backup. So it was, it was interesting how that all came together. Now, speaking speaking of the Browns, Coach, was Ricky Seals Jones there when you when you were there? Did he play for you? He was not. No, sir. So so he local kid from Sealy. I actually coached against him in high school. I mean, he's, he was six seven. 215 is a freshman you know what I mean and you talk you talk about you talk about you know Hercules DNA so on his mom's side is coach Ray Seals who's a Houston you know kind of legend legendary coach played at Prairie View and then his dad's side is is uh is Eric Dickerson and so this guy's just oh kind of got it figured out wow yeah it's yeah so I think he ended up with the Cardinals I'm not sure last year but yeah just one of those yeah but they, he's very athletic. I do know that. <laughs> For sure. We're going we're gonna to end, well, yeah, second last question, on an NBA question. Okay, so I don't know how much you guys have been watching 
It, and for once, it has nothing to do with with our Lakers coach or or your or your or your Rockets or your Rockets. Uh, Steph Cur- Steph Curry. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna stay away from that conversation. Steph Curry has been lights out uh, as of late, and I think a lot of people forgot how good he can be. Have you been paying attention? And if so, what do you, what do you, what is that next level that he has? Um, you know, coach that, what do you see in Steph that's just, it, is it just that, that confidence that he can make a shot from anywhere and he knows it? You know, what is, what is, what is, I was in, I was in Oakland when it started. So Mark Jackson was a coach. I never get Mark Jackson came out and said, I am coaching two of the best shooters in the history of the game and him and Clay Thompson. And you watch Seth and Seth wasn't a big guy, you know, he'd get knocked around, get injuries, had ankle and that type of thing. But one thing he could always do is score the ball. I don't care how you go about it. I mean, guy can shoot it from half court. You go watch this guy and just in warmups, they shoot the ball from half court, shoot the ball from the, I mean, it, like he's walking to the locker room, shooting the ball. It's just natural for him. And then you watch him win the MVP. You watch him lead the team to championships. Then here comes Kevin Durant, right? So I truly believe talent stacks itself. And I think Seth's a tremendous player. But Kevin Durant's a great player, okay? What you're seeing now is he's they, they need him on a different level, and he's answering the call. They need those 35, 49-point games that he's been scoring. But he's capable of doing it. He's always been capable of doing that. This is not new. I don't think we're saying anything that he couldn't do or people were surprised that he's doing it. He's just doing it so consistently, you know, and people forget all these 35 and 40 point games he had when they were winning championships. Now he might maybe, maybe never strung them together like this because he had Clay Thompson or he had Kevin Durant, but he could have did that at that particular point in time too. He is that good of a pure shooter. Yeah, I think I think that's something that people maybe take for granted is that when he had Clay, when he had KD, he's he's confident enough to defer. And then when he needs to, he can do what he's doing. Right, right, Cam, are you seeing, are you, have you been watching, like how, who's not been watching what he's doing lovely? Right? Yeah, no, you can't, you can't not watch it. Yeah. So, so for me, I think, you know, coach killed it. And, and the only thing I would say is, I think we compare so much and, you know, we know that comparison is a thief of joy, right? So it's like, it's at this point, we're comparing stuff against stuff, right? <laughs> and so like, so he, he's, he's excellent. That So we almost like don't appreciate special. And so like on top of being excellent, he's just showing it's special right now, but he's, I mean, you know, when he's non-special off peak, He's phenomenal. And so it's almost like he is, you know, he's just, he's underrated as crazy as that may sound. Mm-hmm. And I think Cam just made a great point, though. We It was just like Patrick Mahomes this year. Everybody was like, well, come on now. What's wrong with Patrick? Nothing wrong, wrong with Patrick. He had a great year. You know? <laughs> well, it's like Seth Curry. I mean, I mean, are you kidding me? When I look at things, I think of James Harden. What he's doing at the Brooklyn Nets, because it's different. I mean, he is dishing out assists at a high level when he plays and rebounding the ball and still scoring 25. Okay, normally he scores 39. He didn't have many rebounds. (laughs) Like, he never played defense. There was no assists. You know, that's just – that was the game. He's showing something. And I think those guys get seen more than the Seth Curry or the Patrick Mahomes because we're so used to that's what they do. 
But that's special what they're doing. Everybody can't do what they do mm-hmm. at that level all the time. So it's just, it is really interesting that people don't really see it. And then when you start to track it, like they've been doing now with Seth, you go, oh my gosh, look at what this guy is doing. It's crazy. Yeah. There's obviously some injuries to some of the top tiers. So I know this is a bit of a trick question. So for the people that are playing and healthy, right? So obviously LeBron's out of this question. Right now, is Steph either the best player in basketball or is he playing the best basketball? I like that question, Cam. That's a good one. So I'd say uh, playing the best basketball, um, uh, I think that, uh, well, KD just went back down. Um, he may be the best player right now. Um, I think the, you know, the coach's point about, you know, appreciating greatness but also the three-dimensionalism i guess right so you think about Giannis, like the playoffs last year exposed he still has work to do in his game um you know so as far as like act oh well um i like john morant and, and then the other guy just went down for the nuggets uh, uh murray so murray, yeah, yeah maybe yeah maybe maybe he is the best player in the game right now well, that, that's why I asked because there's those injuries and it, it kind of, it elevates them a little bit because really this has been a terrible year, right? When it comes to injuries, if you look at all, you know, again, as Laker fans, you know, missing LeBron, missing AD, Harden has, you know, for the first time I think in his career has missed some games. KD has been in and out. Kyrie, I know it's been some personal stuff, but he's been in and out. Um, like you mentioned, Jamal Murray's hurt. It seems like every, even Curry has, was, you know, a stretch there where he was in and out. Um, it's, is, do you think the, and this is the last, last thing I'm going to ask. Do you think the shortened off season, do you think that has played a role in, in this string of injuries? I know that a lot of players, listen, a lot of players complained about it. Um, no doubt. No doubt. Just like it did in football. No offseason, you go look at the start of the National Football League year, there was a ton of injuries early. Um, yes, it has. And so I think routine, these players are used to routine. I don't care how we – we know what that routine is, and that routine got interrupted. And so things changed. And uh, I'm just concerned if you look at the data, and again, I, I know we're talking about basketball, but even for football, the data said last year no really offseason program led to a bunch of injuries. And now we're talking about not having an off-season program again. The players are trying to do away with it. They don't want it anymore because they like to train with their trainers, do their thing, and then show up for training camp, go play. I just, for the body and playing football, because you cannot simulate football in the gym. You just can't. I mean, or the workout room, you can't do it. So it's just different. I think there's going to be a lot of injuries again this year. Yeah, it's hard enough It's hard enough to replicate game speed in, in basketball it must be almost impossible, you know, two guys who've played football, right? It must be impossible to, to replicate game speed and game hits, right? Because that's the thing. It's one thing to get hit in practice. You're right. I've been hit in practice and then I've been hit in a game. It's, it's, it's different. No, no. Uh, do you feel the same way? Do you feel the same way coaches that off season that we kind of missed out on is, is affecting Yes, yeah, it, it just goes like to peak performance, right? So it's like it's, it's everything coach is saying, like the body, you know. So for me, you think about like the 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 pedestrian injury that like changed Amari Stoudemire's uh, career or Brandon Roy. I was the biggest. Brandon Roy was so talented, 
right? So it wasn't an explosive play. It was just one of those repetition, right? So you think about the sustainability of a peak performance, you know, at some point, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to gear down. You, you're dealing with, you know, a, a Ferrari, right? So you, you can't, you can't stay in fifth or sixth a whole time. So yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. No, good. Yeah. Good point. Cause you remember even the, even the best, what you think, think is indestructible Adrian Peterson, right? Yes. Injury, in, look, he still played. A, he's, I think he might even still be playing. Uh, he might be playing for another 20 years. But that, that injury completely changed who he was. And, and that's why it's so important to kind of pay attention to that. Um, on that, uh, I always, uh, Cam, I don't know if I'd like to give everybody one last word. So um, any kind of final shots before, uh, before we let you go? Um, we're celebrating um, the, the George Floyd um, moment with no buts. Nope, no buts. We're just enjoying and celebrating this moment. Thank you. Uh, Coach? I think um, what Cam said, and I want to double down on that, this is a win. This is a win. It's a historic win. Get the full Sports Fluent experience at sportsfluent.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at sports underscore fluent. You can search us on YouTube at SportsFluent, and don't forget to subscribe. Or if you're looking for some great merchandise or to support the podcast, visit sportsfluent.com slash merchandise.